that could have been what dad was talking about, I don't know, but I feel so blessed and honored. By the way, I meet people sometimes that say, oh, I was a preacher's kid, it was so horrible. I'll tell you, I had a great life. I was honored and blessed to be able to be raised in a Christian home where parents loved the Lord, and my parents weren't perfect, they're both in heaven now, but I sure thank God uh, for the uh, parents that God gave me, the goodly heritage that I have. And even at this uh, ripe old age, I'm still grateful for my sisters, so I thank the Lord for them. One of my sisters is in heaven, but the other four are not only still living, but they are very faithful prayer warriors for me. After all of my comments about them, they still pray for me. Now, I don't know what they're praying, but they pray, no, they pray for all of our meetings, and I'm thankful for that. Take your Bibles, if you would, this morning. Let's get right into the message, Matthew chapter 28. And our brother referenced it, such a joy to meet Brother Yap and to hear about their call to L.A. What a great need that area is. And by the way, uh, there is a great need across this land for churches to be planted. I'm, I'm for missions home and abroad, but I'll tell you, if we're going to see something that's long-lasting, I really believe that church planting makes the difference. And so, brother, we're already praying for you. I look forward to getting a prayer card and, and being able to pray for your ministry and excited to hear what God is doing and what He's going to do. Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. When we think about missions and what is involved here, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, likewise Jesus is getting ready to send back to heaven. This is after the resurrection. And uh, He says this, And ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in uh, Jerusalem and uh, in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now that's a great assignment. That was given to the New Testament church, and I believe with all of my heart, which the New Testament church, as we heard in Sunday school, is made up of believers, those that have been born again. So we need to take this very personal. We need to take this uh, each and every local church. I would tell our folks at Benton, look, we cannot just hope that every other church is going to get the job done. We've got to look at this great commission as if it was given to us, and therefore we must take it as a serious responsibility. And, and so I want to talk to you about that and throughout the week about missions as a whole. But number one, what is the reason for missions? Why do we have a missions revival? Why do we have Mission Emphasis Month? Why do we make such a big deal? Why would we endeavor to support even more missionaries? Uh, someone would say, Preacher, haven't we done enough? Well, let me ask you this. Has the world been reached yet? No, I don't think so. There's still a work to be done. So notice, if you would, the reason for mission, first of all, the Savior's command. Jesus says here in verse 18, uh, He said, All power is given unto me. And so I believe with all my heart, He is telling us, I am giving you the authority as a New Testament church to go out and plant other churches. All power is given unto me. The authority, not only the power to get the job done in speaking of you know, the ability that He gives us, but I believe He's saying that I'm giving your church and our church and New Testament Bible-believing churches the authority to go out and plant other churches. And of course, you must reach people with the gospel in doing that. So we see the authority, but then we see the action. He said, go ye into all the world and uh, preach the gospel to every creature. As he says it here, go ye therefore and teach 
all nations. So that is the action that we're to be involved in. Listen, America's filled with a lot of things to do. And I'm glad to live in this great country. We have a lot of wonderful opportunities. Your pastor was so gracious uh, yesterday to let us tour some of this area. And Miss Graham and I, we were delighted to see some of the amazing things around the area that you live in. But can I tell you something? The greatest need across this land for the greatest activity of all is for us to be involved in getting the gospel to a lost and dying world. And in particular, as we see churches planted uh, to go and teach the gospel or preach the gospel to every creature. It's amazing to me to think about the area that he gives us all nations. He said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Do you understand that there's no place in the Christian life for any kind of prejudice? Could I say that again? There's no place in the Christian's life for any kind of prejudice. We should not say the gospel is for these people, but not for these people. Can I tell you, he said, go into all the world. He said, go into all the nations and give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have some unique opportunities right here in America because quite often, and especially in larger cities like L.A., where we will see literally people from around the world come in, what an impact we can have on the gospel, not only in their life, but perhaps even within their own families as they reach their loved ones for Christ. So we see the area that He's given us. So we find the reason for missions is not only the Savior's command, but the sinner's condition. I'm telling you, friend, our world is in a mess. Every man, every woman, every boy and girl that's not saved, right now there's a present condemnation in their life. So what do you mean, Brother Grant? Well, look at John chapter 3 for just a moment. I'll stay with Matthew, but John chapter 3, we're familiar with verse 16. Uh, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. But verse 18 said, He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So we find here that when a person is lost, they are presently under condemnation. You say, what does that mean, Brother Graham? That means if you're not saved today and you died today, you would spend eternity separated from God forever in a place called hell. Oh, Brother Graham, surely in this modern day we're living in, you still don't believe that there's a literal place called hell. I do because the Bible declares it so. And it ought, to, it ought to grieve our hearts to think that there are co-workers and there are family members and there are friends and there are strangers that we meet on the street that if they die without Christ, this day, the Bible said, they'll uh, spend eternity as separated from uh, God. And of course, what an awful place to be in. But they are presently under condemnation. So we see the condition of sinners not only in their present condemnation, but their potential confrontation. It's going to be interesting to me. Brother Yap, when you start the work there, as you begin to reach people for Christ, and one thing I would remind everybody at church, you know, as you begin to see people get saved and come to church, you're going to watch people grow and mature, but you're also going to always deal with all levels of spiritual maturity. You know, every once in a while, sometimes people who've been saved a long time become too immediately critical of newborn babes in Christ. Help them grow. Help them mature. 
set an example before him, but don't get a spirit of criticism. Man, I'm telling you, there's no telling what God can do when he changes the heart and life of a believer. But as we watch people grow, it's going to be exciting. There's no telling what all you're going to encounter. And there'll be, and not being critical, there'll be setbacks, there'll be disappointments, there'll be people you think, man, they're really getting on fire for God and they may fall by the wayside. But don't quit reaching people because we have a commission to go and to tell them, but we can confront them, dear friend, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is the message of the hour. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Can I tell you, God is able uh, to seek and to save that which is lost. He's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. If you're here this morning, it's not by accident. God cares about you. He loves you. And if you're not saved, He wants you to be saved. But you and I that are God's children, you and I that are saved, we have a great responsibility to get the gospel to a lost and dying world, to be willing to go and and confront them with the gospel. When I say confrontation, I don't mean in a mean-spirited, hateful way. I don't knock doors and use my preaching voice. Hey, I'm Ken Graham. I don't do that. I go to somebody's door and knock the door and I use my conversational tone. say, why are you yelling this morning? Because it's morning. And you need to wake up. I'm just kidding. But, but reality is, you know, we have a pleasant conversation. Sure, there'll be doors slammed in your face. Sure, there may be people that'll turn you down. Sure, there may be some that say, I'm not interested. But, oh, what a blessing it is when somebody said, hey, I'm interested. I would like to know. I would like to hear more about it. Please tell me how I can be saved. What a joy it is to confront people with the gospel. But then notice the saint's constraint. The Bible said this in 2 Corinthians 5, 14. He said, for the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Verse 15 said, and that he died for all, that they which live should not uh, henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So here we find our Christian life being constrained by the love of God. It's amazing to think about this. I remember when I got saved, and I was a 12-year-old boy, almost 13, and I got saved in an old-fashioned camp meeting, and, and, and I remember when I got saved, look, I was raised in church, and I was brought up to know about the things of God. I knew many of the verses by memory, but when I got saved that day, I'll tell you, I was so excited. Several things happened. First of all, I felt so clean. I didn't want to sin again. Now, I have to admit, I have. But man, in my heart, I, just, I didn't want to do anything to disappoint him. But not only that, I wanted everybody else to get saved. I remember going back to my dad and telling him that I got saved and then my dad's best friend, Brother Russ Pittman, was there and I told Brother Pittman I got saved and then my junior choir director was there and she knew I needed salvation and I went and hugged her neck. Just a side note, she eventually became a staff member at our church for many years. She's in heaven now. And I would tell her every once in a while when new preachers would come by, now Miss Bonnie, you knew me pre-salvation. Don't tell them how angry I was. And she'd just smile and say, it's okay, preacher, it's under the blood. But anyway, uh, when she went to heaven, by the way, my parents had passed away. Pam's parents passed away. Miss Bonnie passed away, the last of my disciplinarians. So now I can go back and tell them what a good boy I was. But anyway, <laughs> nobody there to refute it. But anyway, we, uh, 
I was so excited. I told her, and then I was telling everybody around there. And next thing you know, I got up in front of the whole congregation at that large camp meeting and said, Hey, I want to tell everybody what happened. I just got saved, and I want to see everybody get saved. After the service, a man met me at the door, and he said, Well, I'm glad you got saved, and I appreciate your zeal, but I just want to tell you, not everybody's going to get saved. You know what? I wish I'd have never met him. He said, well, preacher, he's right. Not everybody's going to be saved. But that shouldn't keep us from attempting to reach people with the gospel. And oh, listen, what a joy it is when you see people come to Christ and see the difference Christ makes in their life. But then not only do we see that uh, the uh, reason for missions, but we see the responsibility. And it goes hand in hand. Jesus is getting ready to send back to heaven. And he makes this comment to his disciples here as he's talking to them. Uh, he tells them that uh, he's going to leave. He's left them power. And then he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. So we find Jesus begins to speak here about our responsibility. Let me hasten to say, as I've mentioned already, it is a New Testament church responsibility. You say, well, Brother Graham, you know, there's only so much a church can do. No, no, we need to think differently. There's only so much God can do. And God can do everything. And I believe this. Jesus said that we were to go into all the world. I believe that's possible. Now, I haven't been everywhere in the world. I've been a lot of places. And I thank God. I love mission trips. I've been blessed to take a lot of mission trips. But even with all of my efforts and endeavors, I can't be everywhere. But I'll tell you one way that I can be everywhere that missionaries go is when I give to the mission work in my local New Testament church, every missionary they support, our money is making it possible for those missionaries to go. Our giving makes a difference. And I'm telling you what a blessing it is to be able to go around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are places where preachers are preaching and churches are being planted that I haven't been to and perhaps will never get to go to. But because of our mission giving, dear friend, I'm blessed to be a part of that and you're blessed to be a part of that. Don't take lightly what God has allowed you to do as a church seeking to fulfill the Great Commission. So it is a New Testament church responsibility, but it is also a challenge that is resounded time and again. From the cross, someone said, through the church to the continents. Mark 16, 15, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Let me say, it is not only a New Testament responsibility, it's not only a challenge resounding, but it's a compelling reminder. Missions isn't an extra. It's not just a tag-along that we do. It is essential. It is so important to the work of God. And the Bible reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. We have a reminder that you and I that are saved have been called into the ministry of reconciliation. Not that we reconcile men to God. He does that work, but we've been given the word of reconciliation. And man, what a wonder it is to see God work transforming lives, changing people's lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are reminded how important it is. And by the way, as we think about uh, the great responsibility that's been given to us as a church, we know that it makes the difference. Let me say, thirdly, the results of missions and missions giving. Can I say it works for the sending agency? You know, people are always trying to come up with a new way to accomplish God's will when He gave us the best way. 
He laid out a plan that would go through the New Testament church. And God has honored that throughout the centuries of time. There's no reason to try to, you know, reinvent the wheel. To say, well, you know, this isn't working, so we'll do something different. If it's not working, it's because we're not working it. The reality is God chose the avenue of the New Testament church to get the gospel to the regions beyond. And I know, again, churches are made up of individual believers, and it's our responsibility to go out in the highways and hedges, compel them to come in, to go out and witness for Christ. I understand all of that, dear friend, but we do not need to come up with another way to do it. God chose a wonderful sending agency called the New Testament church. Man, I thank God that our church and your church can can send missionaries. And not only can we send missionaries, we can support missionaries. What a blessing that is. What a thrill that is. I noticed this morning I saw something briefly about one of our men out of our church that's on the mission field and his church was uh, that he had planted uh, over in Guam was uh, having a pastor's appreciation thing. And I just caught a glimpse of it and I thought, how neat it is when they first went there. You know, there was just their family and, and then begin to reach people and see people saved. And can I tell you, the work of God is an amazing work to behold. And sometimes you'll see things that it seems like, wow, it goes really fast. And maybe somebody else, it goes a little slower. But can I tell you something? God will work if we will just fulfill that great commission. So, not only is there the great importance of the local church, but it works for the servant. Now, we had a missionary here today. I, I was in a conference recently, not a missions conference, but a preacher's conference. And a preacher was, you know, really, in my opinion, being critical of missionaries, though he probably didn't mean to be. But he even went on to say that it'd be a good idea not, not to take your family and all that kind of stuff. I don't know about you, but I like it when a missionary comes by. I like seeing them face to face. Brother Yap, I, I'm glad to meet you today. I haven't met your wife yet, but I can tell you this, just like me. My dad told me in the garden one day when I was working, son, when you find the will of God, it'll fit the picture of your life. And then he said, in your case, it'll improve the picture. I'm just saying that's what my dad told me. I didn't mean to direct that to you, Brother Yap. But no, in all sincerity, Brother Yap, I know it's not always easy for a family to be on the road, go to meetings. But I'll tell you, there's something about meeting you. See, I won't be able to forget you because I've met you today. And I hear about L.A. Every time L.A.'s mentioned, you're going to come to my mind because you're going to go to that area and plant a church. And can I tell you, for the family of the church here, there's something about meeting the missionary. There's something about being able to have that one-on-one -on -one communication. And I want to encourage you. Listen, uh, get a prayer card. Don't, don't say, oh, I'm not going to take one. I, I don't go to the refrigerator that often. I was thinking the same thing three times, man. Is he ever conservative? But anyway, and... Uh, you don't get this physique going there three times a day anyway. <laughs> but you think about it, it works for the servant. As, as uh, they're going, I promise you, whether it's a missionary in the States or a missionary in the foreign field, deputation will be challenging, but it'll be a time they'll look back on of refreshment for people that help them along the way. But let me say this, lastly, it works for the sinner. The lost people need missionaries to come to the field. I've been blessed to take many, many different mission trips, and one of my favorite places that I've gone throughout the years is the Philippines. I've been there many, many times, and on one occasion we were there, and uh, we decided to go up to a mountain village. The mayor of that community had asked us if we'd come and speak at their uh, public school. They only had one school in that uh, village, and so we went up there gladly, and you know, had uh, each uh, class had a, a different worker uh, sharing the gospel with them. I was given the responsibility of, of uh, addressing the teachers, and I did that. 
And uh, then after we finished, we had several that made professions of faith, but after it was finished, we went to the village hall. And uh, the mayor asked, would we be willing, if he got the people of the village to come, would we be willing to preach to them? Now you talk about willing. Man, that's like, you know, of course we're willing. And uh, that village did not have one single church in its entire area. When I say that, I'm going to use this word lightly, but I mean, there wasn't anything, not a Catholic church, not a Methodist church, not a Presbyterian, there was not a Baptist church, there was nothing in that entire community that had the word church involved. I was shocked that he asked us to preach and thought, well, maybe he's a believer, but found out that he wasn't, but he wanted to know and uh, had the privilege of seeing that man get saved. But while we were there that day in the gathering of that crowd, the windows in the building, there was no glass, just some bars to keep people from breaking in. And uh, we were at Village Hall, and man, they filled the building, they surrounded the building with people from the village. And, and I remember as I was preaching, I got one of the men to catch a picture of this guy. He was looking in the window, and man, as he began to listen, he took his hat off, and he got close, and I could see he was a man of age. And so when we gave the invitation, he responded, and you know, I, I went out after the service. I wanted to meet him and make sure that he understood the gospel. And so as I began to talk to him, I said, uh, I'd like to introduce, you, uh, introduce myself to you. I'm Ken Graham. He said, my name is Ernesto. And I said, Ernesto, I want to make sure that you understood. I saw you raise your hand. I saw you respond. But I want to make sure that you fully understand what we're talking about today. He said, preacher, I know what you were talking about today. And he said, uh, I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I know I'm saved. I said, wonderful. And uh, so I was going through some, just some scriptures to make sure, and Ernesto lifted his shirt, and he had the evidence of colon cancer. And he said, I have cancer. I don't know how long I'm going to live. He said, I knew there was a God, but I didn't know how to get to Him. So he said, I prayed and said, God, would you send somebody to tell me how I could know you before I die? And he said, when I stepped up and you were preaching today, I knew God had sent you my way. Now listen, we preach God doesn't listen to sinners. And I, I hear people say, I pray every day. And if they're lost, they may be praying, but they're not talking to God. God stays in fellowship with his children. But I do believe, like the Macedonian call, like uh, uh, Cornelius that wanted to know the truth, I believe God can send somebody. And God sent us to that little village that day and and uh, what a joy it was to see Ernesto place his faith in Jesus Christ. He rode the jeepney to church the next morning. And by the way, uh, they had to start loading at 3.30 in the morning to get to church by 8.30. Can you imagine what that would be like? Because the mountain roads were so muddy. And anyway, he got to church and made public his profession of faith. And, and then uh, a couple of weeks later, his grandsons had gotten saved and followed the Lord in Believer's baptism. His wife got saved, followed the Lord in Believer's baptism. And, and I'm saying all that to say as a result of Ernesto, still getting saved and he only lived a few more months but so many people got saved in that village the church we were in had to plant a church there to be able to minister to the people that they had reached in that little village because one man said I need to know God and I don't know how to get to him I'm telling you missions works for the sinner you know there are people right now groping in darkness they have no idea what they need but they know they need something they don't find satisfaction in drugs. They don't find it in alcohol. They don't find it in morality. They don't find it in the things of this world. And something inside of them craves for so much better. And we have the answer. The answer is Jesus Christ. He came, lived a sinless life, died on an old rugged cross in payment for our sins, was buried and rose again three days later 
triumphant over death, hell, and the grave, and then said, whosoever will may come. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And I'll tell you, if you're here today, you don't know for sure heaven's your home. You can know it according to the word of God. And if you're saved today, let's continue to be a part of the great work of getting the gospel to the regions beyond. Father, we love you. Thank you for the privilege of being here today. Lord, I often think about my friend Ernesto and what a difference you made in his life. And the world is filled with men and women like Ernesto that they're looking for something, but they don't know where the answer's at. And we must tell them. We must get to the regions beyond us. Lord, we must reach a world that's lost and dying. I pray your Holy Spirit would work in the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. While our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, just a couple of questions this morning. How many would say, Brother Graham, I know the Lord is my Savior. If I died today, I'm going to heaven because Jesus lives in my heart. Would you lift your hand high and give a testimony of a no-so salvation? Thank you. You may put them down. Now, no one's looking around. I certainly wouldn't embarrass you. I won't come to you. I'm not going to point at you. But as a friend, I'd love to pray for you. And I wonder if there's someone say this morning, Preacher, I don't know if I died today that I'd go to heaven, but I'd sure like to know it. Would you pray for me? And you'd slip a hand up and say, I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm curious about it. I'm interested. Thank you. Thank you. Are there others? Are there others? In a moment, we'll have an invitation song, and I want to invite you to come. And we have workers that would be glad to help you this morning. Then I want to say to the Christians, how many this morning say, Brother Graham, God spoke to my heart, and I wish you'd pray for me, and I don't have to know what it's about, but maybe even in the realm of missions, you'd say, pray for me, and I'll just be mindful to the Lord. Would you slip your hand up across this building? God bless you, a number of hands. Father, we're pleading with you to bless the invitation time. Lord, several lifted their hand about salvation. I pray, God, that you would help them to know they're among friends and that they could come, Lord, and find help in this time of need. And Lord, I pray for those that lifted their hands as believers. Lord, may you challenge our hearts afresh and anew. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As the music begins, the pastor's coming. Let's stand together.